Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Hey, we're live. It's been a while. What has it been, Adam? Two weeks? <laughs> it's been two weeks, yep. I feel I was telling Adam offline, I feel like I've been fairly far removed, but uh, in a good way. I took my first vacation in a long, long time uh, last week, which was much needed. And thanks to you, Adam, and certainly the rest of the folks here that I was able to do so. But uh, Mitch Robbins, Adam Soppy, coming to you here on LinkedIn with the MedTech Talent Lab Live Edition. If you are tuning in for the first time, we come to you each and every week, almost each and every week, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, with all things related to talent, we run a search firm called the Anthony Michael Group, where we help companies uh, specifically in the medical technology uh, sector. So that includes companies in medical device, digital health and diagnostics to build high performing teams on the technical side. So areas like regulatory affairs and quality and engineering and a whole slew of other uh, technical areas. And so we come to you each and every week taking on a different topic, sometimes on the company side, sometimes on the candidate side. Simultaneous to this live edition of the podcast, we run the MedTech Talent Lab, where we interview leaders straight from the industry on all things talent related as well. You can check that out on just about any major podcast platform where you consume podcast uh, content. And today is May the 4th be with you. I appreciate you bringing that to my attention, Adam. There's a hashtag floating around, May the 4th be with you, a play on, uh, play on Star Wars. And we thought it'd be a great opportunity to continue to play on that and tackle a topic. And that is this great quote that you found, Adam, what is it? Don't trust your eyes. They can deceive you. Is that what it is? Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yep. yep. And when we were talking about a topic this morning about what we were going to discuss today, we really can kind of tie that back to the world of hiring and how many organizations, how many hiring managers to this day uh, rely on their gut, right? On their gut feeling to decide whether or not they're going to hire somebody. And as you and I've learned over the years, it's just really a detrimental uh, way of doing business when it comes to hiring because your gut, more often than not, because of various different types of biases, can lead you astray. It can really lead you astray. And uh, today, you and I, we're going to dig in and kind of talk about maybe why that is and then also some more objective uh, ideas of, or strategies of how you can hire and make decisions uh, accordingly. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, right on. So I, as always, am going to bring up uh, the live feed to answer any questions or comments head on. Uh, if you're joining us live, thanks for being here. And if you watch this back, of course, we hope you get value from it uh, similarly. So do you want to dig in real quick? What's your initial thought or what's your opinion of this? Yeah, so this is, you know, I, I think it's an important topic because, you know, like my, my wife has read the the book Gift of Fear, and, and it's about basically your gut feeling. And, and I think many times it serves us well. I, I think that's the case maybe more so in taking a job and in other ways, personally and professionally. But however, I'm very adamant like you are that in, in the hiring realm, in that space, it's not going to, it's going to do you a disservice in, in many cases. Um, and happy to, you know, kind of peel the onion back and show real time, even, you know, this came up uh, last week and I think thir on Thursday's me uh, video meeting with the client. Um, so there's a couple pitfalls where this can happen when you are trying to 
be more subjective um, and, and go with your gut feel rather than have a systemic, you know, interview process that you're a homogenized screening process that you're putting every viable candidate through. Yep. And, and you know, I was going to um, I was going to bring up a couple like scientific reasons as to why this is actually mm. detrimental. That's what I was searching for. But yeah, one of them is called confirmation bias. Sure. And and let me just read the definition. The confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. So somebody could literally walk in and there's a couple of things at play already just from them being on video or being in person. One is confirmation bias. Another one, let me read this to you, is unconscious bias. Unconscious biases are social stereotypes about certain groups of people that individuals form outside their own conscious awareness. Everyone holds unconscious beliefs about various social and identity groups, and these biases stem from one's tendency to organize social worlds by, worlds by categorizing. So right there are just two types of biases that are already yeah. clouding your quote-unquote gut opinion. And, and, and affinity and contrast and similarity, and there's a whole there's a whole slew of them. I think there's right. a dozen that play into our, our psyche, you know, subconscious. We don't even, we're not even aware that it's happening to us. That's right. And so when you talk about the fact that the rate of mishires is just shy, if not right there at the flip of a coin of 50%, we want to give you every opportunity to de-risk your hiring process to the best of your ability. And so we've talked about this on um, various episodes in one way, shape or form multiple times. But I think one of the things that is so important is that you actually have prepared interview questions ahead of time. And a lot of times people, especially smaller businesses that aren't used to a formal interview process, they'll ask things that come to the top of their mind in the interview session. Why are you interested? Um, you know, tell me about your relevant experience. You know, are you able to flex on being in the office a couple days a week? And then they'll kind of cut it off. And it really doesn't dig into what are the motivating reasons this person is going to make a change? What are they motivated by as far as once you get them on board, how are you going to retain them? And on and on and on. Okay. And so one of the things that was taught to me a long time ago that I, I want to make sure to bring up today is this idea of an interview matrix. And I wish I could give credit where credit is due as far as who taught me about this interview matrix. But in essence, what it is, is let's just say you've got five questions that you want to make sure to get answers for. Those five questions should be based within the categories that are predictors for success. So what do I mean by this? I wish there was, is there a way to share screens here? Uh, let me look. I don't, on screen, let me see. No, I thought there might, oh, screen. I can. Check this out. I'm going to share the screen. So this is the interview matrix. On the left-hand side, you've got predictors for success. Adam, can you see this? I can't, but hopefully the audience can. And um, if they can, great. And if not, maybe we'll link it to the show notes <clears throat> so okay. they can see the doc. All right. If, if you guys can and you're here, tell us, tell me if you can see it. If not, I'm going to keep rolling. But in essence, you've got predictors for success, talent to do the work, motivation to do the work, team leadership. So ability to motivate, inspire and influence problem solving ability to work independently, cross functionally, make decisions, predictors of future success based on past performance, planning and organization, culture fit, trend of performance over time, character and potential. And then you've got questions that are centered around each of these different predictors for success. And so what happens a lot of times is when organizations, HR departments, talent acquisition departments, they'll come up with questions and they'll hand them out to the different interviewers. And it's usually a play on the exact same questions. What this does is it takes the predictors for success, the different categories, it gives questions out of each of those categories, and then you split right. that up. 
And so that way, now it becomes a scoring system. Adam, I want you to talk about the idea of a scorecard because I know you're passionate about it as well. But what you're doing is you're using this interview matrix and then you're scoring against it. And now you've got something to objective to discuss as an interview panel afterwards of why people scored the way they did. And if it doesn't, if the score doesn't meet a certain threshold, you don't move the candidate forward to the offer stage. Talk, if you would, what's your opinion of what I just said about the interview matrix and then your idea of the scorecard? I love it. And it kind of lets people off the hook too, because generally candidates are uncomfortable interviewing, but you know, flip to the other side of the desk too. Most people are not strong interviewers. We've interviewed, I've interviewed people and I don't generally thrive in it probably. And, you know, we all five minutes before the interview, when we're all so busy Googling, you know, what are some good interview questions, behavioral based questions, whatever it is. So this gives you the roadmap, you know, wow, thank you. I'm sure every, you know, most hiring managers and and folks that are on the panel um, are really grateful for that roadmap. So, and it takes the subjectivity out, which they don't want anyway. And, you know, we've talked, I've talked about this before where Maybe you're having a good day. You're everything's going well. You're going to be a little bit more lax on a candidate, and then the next day you got a flat tire on the way to work, and everything's going bad. And, and guess what? That's going to come off, whether you're a pro or not. Somehow yeah. that's going to come off. And if you're just winging it, that person had a, <laughs> had a much different candidate experience than person you know when you're having you know flying high and on a, having a great day. So take sure. the subjectivity out of it as best as you can. Keep it uh, fair. One, it's just fair for hiring practices, but also then you know when you hire somebody, hey. They all went through the same gauntlet. This person rose to the occasion. Yep. And I what I like about the interview matrix is it's about past performance helping to indicate future performance. It's about character. It's about their potential as far as the trajectory of where you see them being able to fit in with regards to your strategic, what's the word I'm looking for? Succession plan. It's about calling out specifics as far as their motivation to do the work and why. If they're in leadership, it's flushing out their leadership potential and their leadership ability based on certain questions. There's a lot involved with this matrix. And anybody who wants a copy of this, I'm more than happy to share. You'll make our lives easier if you use it anyways, because your hiring process will be more streamlined uh, and more successful. And that's something else we should tackle here is, you know, I think a lot of recruiters talk about their ability to influence companies' retention rates. And the sad truth is we can only do so much on the front end. We can really influence the interview process and we can offer up strategies and tactics to help with a streamlined interview process to make sure that you actually hire the person you want. But at the end of the day, the retention program truly does rely on what's going on within the organization. And so there's a lot of different factors that go into mishires and retention rates, but give yourself the opportunity, at least on the front end, to get it right. If you're yeah. getting it right on the front end, you're at least going down the right path versus stronger chance, yeah. you know, half-ass on the front end. And now you're already behind the eight ball. Yeah. And hiring managers and TA leaders, if you use the, the document that Mitch is going to share, tweak it, obviously, and make it your own versus, you know, sit with your, and you've mentioned this before, Mitch, is sit with your core leaders that are going to create the DNA of your culture and come up with what's most important. So to find out cultural fit, well, these are three things that our company values. It doesn't matter if company B or C or D values that. So be true to that and then, you know, craft it according to the uh, specific scope of responsibilities for, for the actual role, too. So. so outside the interview matrix, the other thing that we want to harp on is the test drive. Um, yeah. You know, it, so somebody gets through the interview process, you've identified your top two candidates or your top candidate, put them in a real life uh, situation or scenario. Give them a case study that is pertinent to the function that they're going to be taking on as a full-time employee and see how they do with the actual case study. You know, maybe it's a regulatory person that you're hiring onto a core project team where they're going to be working with R&D and marketing and everybody that's involved with bringing a product to the market. Give them a real-life case study and see what they how they make decisions, how they ask questions, how they function with 
you know, prospective peers. Maybe it's a software developer and you have to have them, you know, write a certain piece of code. Give them the opportunity uh, to work on a real life case study. We can't stress how important this is because you're going to see them firsthand how it's going to be if they come on board, at least yeah. in a, you know, as real as possible. Right. Yeah. You and I have had that scenario where clients of ours that do that, it's really eye opening. You know, you have finalists and and they've already made it through and there's two, there are two or three and they're really good. But then when they do those case studies and, and they usually come through us, so we're reading them, you're like, holy cow, I'm not providing my insight necessarily, but there's a clear cut winner. You know, somebody yep. went above and beyond and you can just see the work, the level yep. of work. And if I'm a hiring manager, I'm going, wow, I was on, I could have flipped a coin and been happy with either person, but wow, I'm glad we're going with the candidate A because head and shoulders above you know, the other two candidates in terms of their the work itself, which is which is the most important, right? We've we've talked about this before. Sometimes the person that interviews the best is not necessarily the person that's going to succeed uh, in your role or, or, yep. or add the most value. So this is a really subjective way. And, you know, you can make it double blind, however you want to do it, but really vet out if this person has the chop to to go in the job and, and kick butt. And it's pretty telling too. You've, you and I have seen examples where they've been asked to put together a PowerPoint presentation and one looks like, you know, it was put together 10 minutes <laughs> prior to submitting it. And the other one yep. looks like it was part of their PhD program. Yeah. And, you know, that's telling too, as far as somebody's amount of effort they put in. And then also Uh-oh. the people that push back say, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to do this project or I don't have time. Well, either A, do you not have the chops and you're worried about it? Or B, yep. do you really not want this job? Because if you did, you would be like, hey, let me make I'll the take the weekend. Done. Do it. Yeah. So yeah. either way, it's good. Either way, you flush yeah. that out ahead of time versus, you know, eight hours of or four hours of final interviews and debrief and working up an offer and everything else. No, it's a it's a win win all the way around. So lately, we've been trying to make these short, sweet, to the point, give as much value as we can and let people get on with their days. Is there any before I ask, let me ask the audience simultaneously if there's any questions that we can address for you or what your thoughts are about what we're sharing today. And then while I'm doing that, Adam, anything that you feel like we've missed today? Yeah, so the, not necessarily that we've missed, but I, I want to add on a real-time scenario. This happened Thursday, you know, so a couple of business days ago where we were on a video meeting with the client, the whole team, and it was a, it's a very technical role. And you could just see the scores, you know, for this particular candidate, four, strong four, which is, you know, four plus, you know, whatever out it is, they're all out of five. So okay. one to five, all really consistent. Then there's one, like, a, I can't remember if it was a strong one or a, a soft two, something like that, but it was an outlier. And so he flushed that out. And, and, it, and if it, we find out that one, the, the person's, we'll call it green or junior interviewer, the, this person, this guy hasn't interviewed a lot of people. Secondly, and no fault to his own, he is technically off the charts. Like this guy is so technically sound that his expectations are probably way higher, you know, than this level is a, that's appropriate for this level, you know, at a senior principal or staff, wherever it is. You know, this person's expectations were so high that no one's going to, you know, level up. So the candidate is, you know, if if we're going off of that and it's not consistent, this poor candidate would have been knocked out of the running. You know, hey, they especially like you had mentioned earlier in the show, like an aggregate, if if you need a 22 out of 30 to advance, well, shoot, you missed it because this guy gave you two and everyone else was given four, four and a half, five. So we're able to flush that out, you know, fortunately for this candidate. But that's another example of making sure there's no subjectivity. And, and it wasn't even this guy's, you know, probably conscious, conscious effort, but they went back to him and said, hey, here are the four things this person must be able to do. Can they do that? And the guy said, yeah, no problem. Okay. So that changed the scoring. So absolutely um, without, the, without that. <clears throat> yeah. I was just going to say, but the bottom line is they were using a scorecard and therefore they were able to 
work through it versus yep. I think so. And I kind of asked him this and you asked him this. So, you know, let's put our heads together and make the best call we can versus yeah. how objective can we make this to? Yes, there's finesse to it. Yes, there's a human element to it, but there can also be a science to this. Yeah, it, it re- really can. Yep. So what we had a question come in from uh, okay. Richard Theron. How would you d- handle a situation in which a candidate was more experienced than the rest of the team, but has potential for rubbing the existing team the wrong way? How would you handle a situation in which a candidate was more experienced than the rest of the team, but has potential for rubbing the existing team the wrong way? Do you want to chime in first? Sure. Yeah. So my initial thought is I'm really going to go the extra mile to flush that out. You know, I'm talking to references that this candidate provided, hey, I want five candidates, I want five professional references. And that will be telling. I'm doing backdoor references as well. Anybody that I know that might know this person, because my knee-jerk re- response is, you know, addition by subtraction. If you get a, a cancer on the team, that's detrimental to everyone and brings brings everyone down. So there's no way, no matter how much of a superstar they are, am I going to bring them on if they're not a team player? If they're me, me, me and not we um, and and that folks are going to leave or just be unhappy, it's just not worth it in any scenario. Yeah, I second that. I would also say that it's great to be able to hire people with more skills than uh, what the team has because you're broadening over all productivity of the team. However, to Adam's point, why would that person potentially rub the team the wrong way? Can you articulate why it is and then can you flush that out based on questions that you could develop for the rest of the interview and then also to leverage with some of these backdoor references, backdoor meaning that it's perfectly legal to call these people, but they're colleagues or former supervisors that weren't necessarily on a reference list, but that you can call and ask good questions to about the professional relationship they have with that person to try and get some objective insight. Yeah, and and to your point, and let's find out why. Is it maybe the team's not that great and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want somebody to hold the mirror up to them or challenge them. And that's going to rub you the wrong way. Well, that's bringing them up. So it's not necessarily, uh, we don't need, you know, yes men and yes women around us. And, you know, it's not kumbaya. We are in a business setting. But if it's a matter of, you know, they're just not a good cultural fit, then, no level of experience or skill set would, would be worth the hire, yep. in Agreed. my opinion. Agreed. Thanks, Richard. Hopefully that helps. Uh, anybody else have any other questions before we sign off for the week? I'll just do our weekly sign off uh, to get us started, and then I'll check to see if there's any other questions. But uh, Mitch Robbins, Adam Soppy with the MedTech Talent Lab Live Edition. Check out the MedTech Talent Lab wherever you consume your podcast. We've interviewed so many great leaders uh, over the last uh, 12 months or so with many more to come. I have another interview tomorrow. Uh, that I'm excited about. Uh, We're here each and every Wednesday, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern, tackling all things talent related. And then last but not least, with respect to the Anthony Michael Group, if you have any critical search needs uh, in the areas of regulatory affairs or quality engineering, R&D operations, where you feel like you're struggling and you're not necessarily sure why or you know why, but you need some help of what to do about it, happy to field your questions. uh, And then on the flip side, if you're a candidate who Uh, is perhaps thinking about what's next in your career and you want a sounding board to bounce some ideas around with, we are always happy to to, uh, take your calls and and chat on that as well. If nothing else, thank you guys for being here live. Thanks for watching this back later if you do so. And uh, Adam, appreciate it, man. Absolutely. See everybody next week. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.